Hi, this is Tony Campolo. The name of the show is From Across the Pond. I'm here every week at this time, usually with Shane Claiborne, but Shane is traveling across the United States on a speaking tour for this month. He won't be back until next month, so I'm going to be doing a a few shows without him at my side. We have a great guest today, uh, Jennifer Dawn Watts, uh, Reverend Jennifer Dawn Watts, a very interesting woman, uh, been around for a while. Uh, She has done all kinds of things, but uh, among the things she's done is developed some churches uh, that have a very special mission. She also is a counselor, uh, which I guess is her primary occupation, and from whence she earns her living. Uh, she's doing uh, counseling in Calgary, Alberta, and uh, probably in other places as well. Uh, The name of the show is From Across the Pond, and everywhere we go and whatever we do, we promote red-letter Christianity, a movement that says we're going to take the words of Jesus seriously. We're a little upset with evangelicalism these days because it has allied itself with the right wing of the Republican Party and has become unquestioningly supportive of Donald Trump. We don't want Jesus tied up with any political party. We think that when you tie Jesus up with a political party, it's like uh, mixing uh, ice cream with horse manure. It's not going to hurt the horse manure. It's going to ruin the ice cream. We like to keep uh, Jesus above and beyond uh, partisan politics. Red-letter Christianity. We take the red letters of the Bible, you know, those words of Jesus that are highlighted in red in many of the Bibles, and make it into a movement. Go to our website, redletterchristians.org. We have a Red Letter Christian on the show today, and uh, Jennifer Dawn Watts uh, is our special guest. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. You sound lovely. You just have a nice voice, a radio voice. Well, thank you. There you go. Maybe it's because I'm Canadian. I don't know. (laughs) Well, maybe the Canadians are nicer than Americans these days. I don't know. (laughs) When I go overseas, uh, Dawn, I I have to tell you something. Uh, When I go overseas, Jennifer, and when they ask me, uh, uh, where are you from? Uh, Half the time I try to pretend I'm from Canada because (laughs) the United States doesn't have a very good reputation around the world these days. So uh, welcome to the show. Tell me about your counseling, first of all. Sure. So I've been a counselor for 15 years now, and that was the beginning stages of my following the teachings of Jesus. I really wanted to help people. And so I did a lot of work learning about psychology. And, you know, as a Christian myself, I was a Christian since I was 19 years old, and I really had been changed by my path with Jesus. But there were a lot of things that Christianity and church wasn't helping me with, fixing for me. And so I felt like I needed therapy at the time. I had really severe anxiety, and I found some people who knew what they were doing, you know, similar to having a great doctor, and it changed my life. And so I thought, you know, this is what I want to do with my life. I want to help people in the same kinds of ways. You know, you know you're uh, trained in this area. Um, you are a graduate from the, the University of Victoria, and uh, that's in Halifax, is it not? Uh, no, it's uh, on Vancouver Island. Oh, Vancouver Island. That's I've got to tell you, there there are uh, universities of Vancouver of uh, of uh, uh, Victoria all over the place. There's a very big one in in uh, New Zealand. I guess you know that, don't you? 
Wow, no, I didn't know oh, that. Oh, yeah, the, the dominant university in New Zealand is uh, uh, the University of Victoria. So your, your name goes all over the place. But this <laughs> particular school is in, uh, in uh, uh, the, the island. Uh, what's the name of the island? It's, uh, my Vancouver went, Island. Yeah, yeah Vancouver Island. Big island. It's not a little island. Mm-hmm. Big island and a great part of Canada. And um, then you did graduate work beyond that. So uh, you worked under a David G. Benner. Uh, could you tell me a little bit about him? Because he evidently was a mentor that led you into counseling in a deep and meaningful way. Absolutely. So he has written over 30 books now, I think. And he, I think the favorite title of his for me is The Gift of Being Yourself. Uh-huh. Well, and he is, yeah, he's, he was really influential, I think, especially because at the time when I was first learning about psychology, it seemed like there was this, um, you know, in the Christian church, there was this suspicion about psychology that maybe it would lead you away from Jesus. And he did a really good job integrating the two. Yes, well, that's really important uh, that this man was a Christian and you're a Christian, because uh, there have been cases where counselors— um, have led people away from the church and away from Jesus. And I can understand why they would do it, because there's a lot of toxic Christianity out there, and there are a lot of churches uh, that uh, do a lot of harm to people emotionally and psychologically. And because of that, uh, you started two churches on your own. Could you tell us about those two churches? They're called Q churches. So tell us about them and where they are and why they exist. Sure. So I was counseling people at the time, and I was loving the work that I was doing, and people were becoming more and more authentic and real in the therapy room. Uh, But it's difficult to take that out into the world. You know, we can be honest with our therapist, but then what do we do in our relationships, and what do we do in our church? And so, you know, people wanted to practice being authentic and honest, and I thought to myself, you know, I personally was in recovery as well. I had had, you know, great experiences in Christianity, great experiences in therapy, but still in my own life, I had certain things that I couldn't overcome. So I entered into recovery. And I remember being at my first meeting going, if church was like this, I think everyone would come, you know, we can just be so honest. And so then I thought, you know, it would be really wonderful if I could have something like this for people with or without identifiable addictions. And so I started Q Faith Communities, and the letter Q stands for questioning. We don't pretend that we have all the answers. And it's a really sustainable model for church. It's a flat structure. You don't have to have a fancy building. You don't have to pay a bunch of salaries. And um, it's, it's very simple, but it, it is red-letter Christianity. It is practicing the teachings of Jesus. And in fact, you know, the 12-step movement, which is a recovery movement, uh, it started with Alcoholics Anonymous, and then many other groups adopted that same form. Uh, So they're all over the world, millions of people recovering when things like therapy don't work. Um, And so that movement itself was started by the Oxford group, which was a Christian group. And so this Oxford group realized that if we actually follow what Jesus said, if we actually made amends, you know, if we have something against our brother and we actually go and make amends, you know, and we become more honest and we turn our will over to a power greater than ourselves and follow that power's lead, the people get better. They come alive. You know, they're born again. So uh, I've been able to have these churches in Calgary, and then uh, others in Los Angeles were very interested, and so I was able to plant 
a church in Los Angeles as well. And now the churches run themselves, just like AA meetings or other 12-step meetings. Your references to Alcoholics Anonymous is interesting because over and over again, I uh, have talked to people who were alcoholics and went to AA and said, I mean, it, it became monotonous hearing the same statement. If only the church was like my AA meeting. If only the church was a group of people who came together, lovingly supporting each other, listening to each other, being free to tell the truth about each other. If only the church was like that, wouldn't it be wonderful? And the, the sad thing is, is I think that that's the kind of church that Jesus meant for there to be, uh, that Jesus willed for that kind of a church to come into existence, and uh, uh, that, that, that it doesn't exist all over the place is sad, but you're at least trying to make it exist in Los Angeles and in Calgary, Canada. How's it going? How long has it been? How many people can you get involved in these kinds of churches? Yeah, it's been good. It's been going since 2012. So we're at about almost eight years now. And I mean, it's an interesting journey, that's for sure. You know, my initial response to the 12 step meetings was, if church was like this, everyone would come. Uh, after eight years, I'm proven wrong. Everyone doesn't come. And I think that part of that is because practicing the 12 steps, it's simple, but it's not easy. And I think I'm sure that you found the same when you talk about red letter Christianity. It sounds exciting, right? Oh, red letter Christianity, that's cool. You know, but then when we actually have to do what Jesus said, it can be difficult. Yeah. Yeah. The, the truth is that uh, Lord Chesterfield, uh, uh, Chesterton, I should say, Lord Chesterton in the United Kingdom uh, once made the statement it's not that the, uh, that the teachings of Jesus have been tried and failed. It's that they've been tried and found too difficult to continue. Whoa, there's a good statement. Uh, it is difficult to be a follower of Jesus. Uh, and uh, the early disciples found it uh, difficult. There's a passage, for instance, in the 10th chapter of Mark, where Jesus has laid down the cost of discipleship, and the disciples say one to another, who then can be saved? This is too tough. Uh, you're expecting too much of us. And Jesus says... I know it's tough, I know it's difficult, but with God, all things are possible. You'll be able to do it with God's help, which I think the 12-step program is into. Uh, that Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. tell us a little bit about yes. that. Yeah, so that's exactly what it's about. It's about coming to the place where, you know, um, step zero is when you can't do it like this anymore. You're desperate. You know, you've hit your bottom. And then step one is admitting powerlessness. There are certain things we're powerless over that we just can't do ourselves. And so, you know, the short form is the initial step. Steps one, steps two, and steps three are, I can't, God can, I'll let him. So that's exactly what you're talking about. The church has got to get into this. Uh, you know, you said uh, early in our discussion that uh, uh, your mentor uh, was um, uh, Dr. Uh, Benner was big on uh, saying you, you, you got to be your true self. Uh, Oscar Wilde, who was not exactly a Christian by any stretch of the imagination, but Oscar Wilde said, be yourself. All other selves are already taken. I love that line. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, that was the most difficult thing for me as a Christian, first entering into recovery, is if you would have asked me, you know, are you authentic? 
I would have said, yes, absolutely, I'm authentic, you know. But when I went into those rooms and I first started listening to people tell their stories and they were being honest, the part of me that was raised in the church and the part of me that was raised in a family where, you know, we don't air our dirty laundry, I was sort of cringing at the stories they were telling. I thought, we don't tell people like this, like, haven't you heard, you know, this is going to embarrass you, you know, and so I really had to learn how to be honest. And, you know, one of the first things you'll see when somebody's getting really, really honest is they'll get tears in their eyes, they'll start to cry. Um, that's when you know someone's telling their truth. And in our world, you'll often hear people say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, they'll apologize when they're crying. And I think, don't apologize. You're trusting enough, us enough to show us who you really are and what you really think and how you really feel. Um, so, yeah, I think that in terms of getting honest, therapy helped me with that a lot more than the church did. And then the 12 steps took it even further. Well, the church creates a problem for me because uh, the presentations of self, the way people present themselves in church, leaves you with the impression that they're basically uh, flawless people. You can't imagine um, a certain uh, lady in the church who seems so lovely and prim and proper having sexual fantasies uh, or engaging in, in pornography of some sort. You just can't imagine that. And so uh, we are surrounded with people who are making presentations of who they are in such a way that we feel if they ever knew what I was like, they would see that I am totally different than any of them. The truth is, we're more alike than people imagine. We have more in common than people would suspect. And when we start being honest, uh, we find that other people open up. And when they become honest, uh, you got to, uh, yeah, I'm in the same mess you're in. Yes, exactly. 100%. And I love when they say in 12-step recovery, um, this is a we program. All of the steps start with we rather than I. And that's important because when we're doing it together, it's easier. You know, if I take my mask off, you take your mask off, we start to share from the heart. And there is this idea that unless it's from the heart, it won't reach the heart. So when we're speaking from the heart and we're reaching each other's hearts, that creates a kind of intimacy. And I think biblically it's called kinonia. Would that be the right word for it in Greek? Kinonia? Yeah, I don't know the word. <laughs> okay, well, it's a, yeah, you're in the Greek better than I am. A, the only Greek I know runs a delicatessen around the corner. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. I'm not the only one. I, I sometimes feel bad because I am a reverend and a pastor, but I'm trained in psychology. So I miss this, some of that schooling that I think that people think that I should have. But that's what I've been told the word is, is kinonia. It's like a fellowship and that you know connection that we have in that church. And, and it's such an amazing feeling when we're truly in community. And we don't often experience that in the church because we're not opening our hearts and we're not experiencing that kind of intimacy. And definitely at meetings, uh, that's what I've experienced. And the other thing that you were talking about that I think is so interesting is, um, you know, people presenting themselves differently than they really are. And so for myself as a pastor, when I sat down in the chairs with everyone, the table's a flat structure, different people will chair the meeting. If you're going to chair the meeting, they basically say, if you can read, you can lead. And so you oh, just sit wow. there, you read the page, 
Yeah, and you don't have to have any special qualifications. And I sit there with the members. And when I really started to share honestly about my own recovery journey, about what I was struggling with, how I'm practicing the steps, when I feel very desperate and needy and really need this program just one day at a time, that's when people started to share honestly. I mean, I can preach all I want about honesty, but until I'm really getting honest in front of everyone, that is what encourages everyone else to be themselves as well. This is Tony Campolo. The name of the show is called Across the Pond. We call it that because we put the show together uh, here in St. David's, Pennsylvania, just outside of Philadelphia. We use the studios of, uh, of Cabrini University, which sits across the street from Eastern University. I have taught there for most of my life. Shane Claiborne, who usually does the show along with me, is a graduate of Eastern. We hang our, our shoes and hat at the offices of Cabrini University, uh, not Cabrini University, at Eastern University. It's a great Christian college. It's a good place with all kinds of academic credibility. Uh, look up Eastern on your computer and find out how wonderful we are. And uh, it's the headquarters for the Red Letter Christians movement, a movement that is saying to people, if you're, if you're questioning what to call yourself, call yourself a Red Letter Christian. Uh, for many Americans, they don't want to call themselves evangelicals anymore because the word evangelical has become synonymous in many people's minds with being anti-gay, anti-women, uh, anti-immigrant, uh, pro-Trump, uh, pro-gun. Uh, it goes on and on. Uh, and, and they're saying that's not who we are. They're, they're not our values. Call yourself a Red Letter Christian. Go to our website, redletterchristians.org. And I'm talking to a Redditor Christian. I'm talking to Reverend Jennifer Dawn Watts, uh, who is a therapist uh, hanging out mostly around Calgary, Alberta, Canada. But she has influence all over the place, uh, having started churches in places like Los Angeles. So uh, uh, called Q Churches. Uh, tell me a little more about those churches. Uh, how large are they? Are they small groups, large groups? What are they? Yeah, they're small groups, just very similar to an AA meeting. And we actually couldn't call them Q churches. We actually had to call them Q faith community because my gay friend Trevor said, if you call it a church, none of my friends will come. Uh-huh. Boy, that's the, isn't it terrible that the word church has gained such negative connotations? Uh, you know, Philip uh, uh, Yancey uh, in his book uh, talks about meeting a prostitute in New York and she begins to unburden herself about all the things that are terrible in her life and how she has become a prostitute, and she's so desperate to feed her drug habit that she's even gotten her daughter of 15 years of age to be a prostitute to earn money for her. And she says, I hate myself. And uh, Philip Yancey says, have you thought of going to church? And she said, church? Why would I go to church? I already hate myself. What a mm. statement uh, that the church was seen as a place where people go when they're sinful and they'll end up hating themselves if they go to church. It should be a place of therapy, but you're a therapist both in that those church groups, Q churches. How can they find out about those Q churches? Yeah, 
go to qfaithcommunity.com. There's all of the information there. And there's also information for people who want to start them themselves. So people who have a recovery background and have already completed the 12 steps, they can start one of these faith communities. That's the great thing about it is that they spread really easily, just like all other 12-step meetings. And it isn't USA-specific or Canada-specific. I mean, these 12-step meetings are all over the world, so they really apply regardless of the culture. And so it's nice. It's it's very simple. And, and for people who haven't had experience with the 12 steps, we help them. We lead them through the steps. So right now, there's even people in South Africa that are contacting me, and they want me to fly in, and they want to start these communities there because somebody found me on the Internet, and they said, you know, I'm sure somebody's thought of this, you know, doing 12-step model churches, and so they found our group. You know, uh, that needs to be stated again. Tell us how they can go to a computer and look it up. Give us uh, the information again. Sure. So it's Q, the letter Q, like questioning, and then faithcommunity.com. Got it. Okay. QFaithCommunities.com. This is really important because if you're out there and you're saying, why can't the church be more like uh, a, 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 an Alcoholics Anonymous gathering? Why can't it be more like a Narcotics Anonymous gathering? My answer to that is simply this. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's simple. Uh, if you don't find a church that is allowing you to be honest and open and and made up of people who are honest and open about who they are, Uh, you can start a church like this and uh, go to that website, Q, Faith Community, is it community or community? Yeah, community, you got it. Community dot... Community ending a Y dot com, yep. Okay, dot com. Okay, good, good. Tell us a little bit about your uh, counseling work. Do you have a lot of clients, a few clients? Do you make a living at it? Uh, well, I actually uh, no longer counsel, but I run Living Well Counseling Services in Calgary, and there are three locations. And now at this point, I think I have 18 people that are working for me. Uh, wow. So I am the CEO of that, and then I help them learn how to do great counseling. But I don't do the work myself because I really felt to my heart that, you know, there's a lot of great therapists out there, but there are very few people that are understanding the 12-step model and how that relates to church planting and really helping people who are either out of the church or, you know, have one foot out the door. So I feel like the area of 12-step spirituality is a niche that not as many people are working in, whereas in terms of counseling, there's a lot of great therapists out there. So I'm leaving the work to the people that work for me. I'm still running my practice, but I'm really out there trying to help people understand this other way of doing church. Wow. This is so important because many people who are in my field, sociology, who are analyzing the church in the 21st century are saying the old structures of the church are no longer working. Uh, Traditional church structures are dying. Every denomination I know of is dying. Even megachurches now are beginning to die. They have their lifespan and then they die. And uh, people are saying we need a new way of doing church for the 21st century. And it just may be that uh, your faith community churches are the wave of the future. One example of what the church may look like in the next hundred years. And uh, thank you for uh, being led by God, led by the Holy Spirit to do this. 
Uh, I know that you have had a lot of gay and lesbian people uh, join these uh, uh, communities, uh, these faith communities. Uh, you've been able to get them to come to these gatherings when they would never go to a traditional church. And they feel comfortable in these gatherings and being ready to say, this is who I am. I think uh, we all have to admit that in most traditional churches, if somebody openly defines himself as gay or lesbian, uh, her as lesbian, that there's going to be uh, problems with that and the congregation. And here you got a community that says, whosoever will may come. And uh, we don't care who you are, what you've done, where you've been, Jesus loves you anyway. Uh, and there's nothing you can do about that. He loves you anyway. So thank you for doing that. You're an ordained minister, yep. aren't you? I sure am, yeah. So when I first started this, I well, I felt called by God, and it was after hanging out with your crew, the Red Letter Christians, that I had this experience where I felt called to be a pastor. And I was shocked uh, because I thought my whole life that I would be a therapist. I knew I wanted to be a counselor since I was 13 years old. So when I felt that call, for those of your listeners who have maybe had a call from God, it is quite an experience. And so I just knew that I was called to be a pastor and to start a gay-friendly church. And so, yeah, I got going with that. And um, then I went knocking on quite a few doors in Calgary, Alberta. And the climate in Calgary, um, I guess maybe comparable for you as an American would maybe be Texas. Jennifer, uh, you're so interesting. I hate to tell you this. We're running out of time. Uh, I've had Jennifer Dawn Watts. Uh, You can uh, learn about her. Uh, Dial her up at jennifer at livingwellcounseling.ca. That's Canada. So uh, uh, learn about the Q churches and become a part of a movement that she's starting. I think she's got a movement going. Thank you for listening, friends. This is Tony Campolo saying blessings on you all.